0: There's still about a month of hockey left, and we haven't touched on every single NHL team, and are they for real? So today, we tackle most of them all at once, and we predict if they will make the 2019 Stanley Cup playoff bracket. Plus, Mark Stone gets paid, Eric Carlson sits out due to injury, the general managers gather together to talk rule changes, and Bruins player 63 might be in a trolling mood. Episode 162 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Duboff.
0: Before we go any further, as always, we're going to delve in the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? Yes. All right. Question number 50. Just have to turn to the correct page. All right. Question number 50 is as follows who is the only rear guard to win the heart trophy since bobby orr did it in 1972 wait is it a sorry re- what
1: A uh, rear guard like defenseman
0: yeah that well it says rear guard so i assume they mean uh, defenseman yeah but that hasn't every all-
1: defenseman won like hasn't a lot of defensemen won that
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure a lot of defensemen have won it before bobby orr but uh, there is only one other rear guard to win the the Hart Trophy since Bobby Orr in seventy two. Oh,
1: Hart Trophy, got it. Okay, yeah, I thought Hart it was Trophy, the Stanley.
0: Sorry, not Norris Trophy because no, of- no,
1: I, I thought I thought they meant the Stanley Cup, and I was, I was so confused. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, right. there are tons of defenses. No, no, I, I think that was just my bad. I, I misheard. Okay, yeah. So, so Hart, Hart Trophy, Hart
0: Trophy for all of you who don't know, that's NHL MVP players forwards defenseman goalies best player by far yep that's what the Hart trophy is got it got it so only one other rear guard has won the Hart trophy since bobby Orr in 1972 so who did it your options are a chris pronger as a member of the st louis blues b nick lindstrom as a member of the detroit red wings c Zedano Chera as a member of the boston bruins or d Phil housley when he was playing for the winnipeg jets
1: Well, I feel like if Pronger was to win, it would probably be when he was in Edmonton or Philadelphia. Um, He was good in St. Louis, but I feel like his prime was on those two teams. It's not Shara from Boston, because I would have known known that. Um, The other, Phil Housley, I think it probably is. I forget who the other one is, but I think it can count that. Oh, Nick Lindstrom. I feel like, there's a chance it could be Nick Lindstrom, but um, the 90s were too good that I, I feel like he just kept on winning Norris trophies. So um, I'm going to go with Phil Housley just out of the process of elimination.
0: Well, little did you know Chris Pronger did win the Hart Trophy uh, when he was with St. Lewis.
1: Damn it. I thought I was so smart there. <laughs>
0: well uh so here here's what he did in 1999-2000 that was the year uh that he won the Hart trophy uh he led the league in plus minus he was a plus 52. he topped his st louis blues teammates in assists he had 48. finished second among all defensemen and third on his team in points with 62. ranked third on his team in penalty minutes with 92. and through 79 games averaged Thirty minutes and fourteen seconds of ice time per game.
1: Wow!
0: That's yeah, a pretty monster year. And St. Louis uh, finished that year with 114 points.
1: Jeez! All right. Well, wow. yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so on that note, um, we first have to say some sad news, um, mm-hmm. to start things off. But uh, Ted Lindsay died or passed away on I think I believe it was on Monday it was
0: Monday when we found out yeah
1: yeah um, and uh, so I have uh, he had a 851 points and a thousand and six 68 games um, he has two cups or four cups sorry um, he won an art Ross in 1949 um, he was a nine-time All-Star, he's obviously in the Hall of Fame, um, he wore the number seven, um, but he's most notable for um, his efforts after he retired because he first became the first NHL president, PA president, um, and he basically, um, he also, I found just looking all this stuff up. He was the first player, this could be an interesting trivia question, this might be a trivia question that you had in the in your book of trivia, Steve, but he was the first player to lift the Stanley Cup and skate it around the uh, the rink. So he started that, that tradition. Um, wow. So I, I didn't know that, that's pretty cool. Um, and then uh, the same year, uh, he uh, attended a pension plan meeting as the representative of the Red Wings player, and then he found that the plan was secret. And then um, later that year, he found out that, like, uh, football and baseball players, he found out that, like, their, their living conditions were much better. So then he started this players' union um, and basically got all these players a bunch more money than they wouldn't have otherwise, just purely because. Uh, he unionized, and that's basically the start of how the NHLPA became to be. Um, so, um, so every NHL player, um, whenever they're making as much money as they are right now, um, they deserve a whole ton of credit to Ted Lindsay because he was like, he was the guy to get. Um, players respect in the in the meeting rooms when they're deciding the players so
0: yeah and and it's and you know is its impact is evident when league wide uh they honored him this week right. um there was a lot of decals with uh 10-7 yeah. on it not just with the red wings but i saw them across the league and buildings yeah. across the league and, and that just shows you how highly regarded he was and one other thing that i also found out about 10 lindsay is that He was born in Renfrew, Ontario, which for all of you Ottawa people, isn't too far away from Ottawa. So um, actually grew up uh, in a town uh, not too far, in a city not too far away from an NHL legend. So um, that was uh, a pleasant surprise to find out. So he he represented the NHL well, uh, the Ottawa Valley represented uh, them exceptionally well. And uh, just an all-around great guy, Ted yeah. Lindsay uh, died at the age of 93 and will be sorely missed by everyone who
1: knows. I, yeah, I have a couple of other points here too. Um, his number seven, as you mentioned, is going to be on the boards for the rest of the season for all NHL ranks at the moment. Um, Good. I saw it I saw it last night at the Bruins-Sens game. I think it's just every other NHL game that I've seen, it seems like it's everywhere. Um, or it's like on the boards as like an advertisement. Um, also, the Ted Lindsay Award um, is an award that's nominated for the best player voted on by the players um, in the NHLPA. Uh, Ted Lindsay, um, so Ted Lindsay's legacy will forever remain just purely because of that name, uh, that award. And then also, um, a couple episodes back. Um, he was uh, a part of a trivia question that we had here. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, when he was uh, he didn't go to his Hall of Fame induction because his al- his wife wasn't allowed to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, just because it was a
0: males-only gala. Yeah,
1: and, and so, at the so time, he didn't go. so so then yeah. uh, eventually he put like a stink on it, and then when he became the NHL PA president, he eventually got the rule removed so now uh, women are allowed to go to this gala um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So he was a, he was a big part in making that change as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when it comes to legacies, um, I'm sure a lot of the players that uh, we've, we've yeah. uh, had the pleasure of watching uh, not just want to be remembered for what they did on the ice, but also off it. And he, he was a game changer, not just on the ice. He, he shaped the NHL off of it. And I think that's what people more than anything are going to remember Ted Lindsay for.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's go to our main topic, but, uh, yeah, Ted Lindsay's, uh, gonna be remiss for everyone mm-hmm. in the hockey community. Um,
0: yeah, we, we, we had to mention that it was, only of course,
1: three. of course, least we could do. Um, the, uh, so yeah, so the playoffs are, Nearby, um, they're, they're about a month away. Um, but so, I, so we started to look at our are they for real section. And we started to realize that we're not going to make all 31 teams or get to all 31 teams at this rate. We did have some fun with doing the top three, bottom three every week, every other week. But um, we figured that um, because it's close, and I think we did something similar last year, um, we
0: did. Yeah, final, final week of the
1: season, though, it yeah, was much later. Exactly. Uh, we figured that we could uh, try to predict who's in the playoff, who's not in the playoffs, um, because it's it's getting around that time to do, to start thinking about that. Um, so we're going to start with each division, um, starting with the Eastern Conference, and then we'll get to the wild card. Um and the teams that are likely out. So, I have a I'm pretty sure the Atlantic's pretty much settled unless any of these three teams suddenly even if if any of these three teams suddenly start losing a, a lot, they're probably still in the playoffs, maybe they're in a wild card spot, but they're probably it's pretty safe to say that they're in the playoffs. Um but I can, I'm pretty, I'm going to spoil Steve's even though I didn't ask, but I'm pretty sure he has the same as mine. Uh, Tampa's gonna be first in the Atlantic, Boston's gonna be second in the Atlantic, and Toronto's gonna be the third in the Atlantic. Um, I'm pretty sure that's gonna be the order, uh, because all three of them, so the next closest team um, in the Atlantic that could uh, suppress any of these teams is Montreal, but Montreal has 79 points, Toronto has 89 points, um, so it's, and then I guess there, there is some debate on if Toronto could catch up to Boston cause, uh, Toronto has 89 points and Boston has 93 points. But, um, but the way that the Boston's playing right now, it's, it seems like they're, they're the hottest team in the league. So, um, I feel like that's unlikely to happen. But, you know, you never know with this thing. So, uh, um, do you have anything else to say on that? Uh,
0: Not really. Um, Pretty much nailed my top three there. Um, I think one of the reasons why Boston's going to finish second over Toronto is, I don't know if you heard, Brett, but the plan is to have Freddie Anderson and Garrett Sparks split the final – 14 or 15 games so each goalie would play close to half of them yeah um obviously an effort to make sure that Anderson is well rested for the playoffs because let's face it they're probably going to face Boston in round one yeah um, I don't think uh playing Anderson just for the sake of getting home ice and losing in game seven to Boston is a good idea so um I think they're wise to rest him at the same time though if you look at Garrett Sparks's numbers this year they're not great and you look at the way the Bruins have been playing they're honestly too good right now they're they're too good that I've probably forgotten how to lose at this point so um I think a lot would have to go wrong for the Bruins to fall out of the second seed so I think the top three is um probably gonna play out exactly how we think it will
1: yeah. Um Montreal might make a shot in the into the playoffs and and Florida seems to be getting going again. Um and Buffalo has kind of faltered since early on in the year, but um yeah, no, I think it's going to be those three. I you know, it's funny. I I feel like this could be its own kind of thing. We could probably reserve this to the Bruins, but uh the Bruins section when we talk about them later, but I, I am a little bit worried about, like, if they're peaking too early um, and, and something like that because I don't know necessarily if, um, you know, because I know that there's a ton of teams, you know, in years past, like, uh, where teams just get so hot in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season, and then they just stop playing as well as they could be uh, come playoff time. So I am a little bit worried as a Bruins fan um, doing that, but um, at the same time they've been playing well. so I, I'm glad that they're proving me wrong I'm just I'm just cautiously optimistic here. Um, but that Boston Toronto series is gonna be uh, one hell of a fight because um, you know the interesting thing about Toronto is is that let's say I mean, I know history says that they, uh, can't beat Boston, or they haven't been able to beat Boston um, in quite a while. But if they're not able to beat Boston now that they have John Tavares, now that they have, um, uh, Jake Muzzin, now that like uh, Mitch Marner and Matthews and Nylander are all like well-established players in the league. Um, and then with Freddie Anderson being rested, if they can't beat the Bruins, um, they may have to rethink their whole plan um, again. And, I mean, not to say that that's gonna happen, but you could see, foresee a future where like, uh, Toronto's gonna be in a uh, chaos mode because, because they can't beat the Bruins. And even if they do beat the Bruins, they're going to be facing Tampa, and I'm not sure if they're necessarily fit um, to play them in a seven-game series either. So, um, it'll be interesting to see come playoff time for that. But
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's got to suck to be a Leafs fan because yeah. they couldn't have gotten good at a worse time.
1: True, true. Like,
0: Tampa and Boston are all good. They're all in their division. If they're in any other yeah. division, they're probably a first-place contender every year. Yep. But now they're just... It's just, to gain it's, ice in round it's,
1: one. it's really just how the playoffs are organized now. But like, if mm-hmm. you know, like back in the day, it was the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, where and then you reseed after everything. So the one would play the eight. Um, so like the Bruins would get the four seed. I guess Toronto would probably get the five seed. Um, actually, let me see if I can. I guess it's a little different because there's not three divisions anymore. I was going to try to figure out where Toronto would be. Um, yeah, no, Toronto would probably be the fifth seed because uh, they have more points than the current Metro leader. Um, so <laughs> the Bruins would play Toronto as the four or five um, if, if 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 we did it back then. But yeah, no, you're right in terms of like, they probably wouldn't be playing uh, Tampa if either team won um, in the first round, so. It is, uh, it's interesting from a fan's point of view, but um, at the same time, it's, it's kind of like sad because like Boston-Toronto is an exciting series and it should be, you know, one of the really good teams is going to be out um, in the first round. Uh, and, and
0: given how good Tampa is and how good Tampa could be down the road, yep. it could be that first round matchup for right. years and years and years.
1: Right, and it's not like Mont- It's not like uh, Tampa can face Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, even though those have been the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go to the Metropolitan. Um, I I guess I'll go first, and and then you. I, I never know the order of these things, but uh, we'll just flip sides, I guess, every time. Um, Metro. Um, I have Washington first, um, as they currently are. Um, I know that they're first off, they're on a six-game winning streak. I feel like they're getting comfortable now. Um, I am a little bit worried about how they're going to be in the playoff time. But uh, again, they won last year. I think they know how to do things now. So um, I like where they're at. My second team is going to be Pittsburgh. Um, Again, for similar reasons to Washington, they they have more experience than all these other teams um, in the Metropolitan, so I kind of trust them more to figure things out towards the end of the season um, than, than, like, a Carolina or Columbus, for instance, or an Islanders team, for instance. Um, and then my third team, which might surprise you, um, is going to be Carolina. Um, I feel like Carolina... Um, has been really hot now uh they have they actually have a decent goalie core with McElhaney and Mirazik. um they also now like Nino Niederreiter has like changed this team completely i mean they used to just have Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen and then their their crew of defensemen but now you know you add Nino into the mix that's like three threats on the offensive side of things um, and then you have, uh, you know, Justin Falk, Dougie Hamilton, um, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci. Um, you know, I, I could go on. I'm blanking on all the other defensemen that they have. But um, it seems like they're working as a team. And I, I, I don't know. I like, what the, I like what I'm seeing from them. So I feel like they're going to be the third spot.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you on um, the first spot. I think Washington's going to get it um just just because um they have the firepower to finish in first however they're going to have some tough tasks uh they have Tampa Bay 3 times before the season ends um at the time of recording this they're facing the Winnipeg Jets on paper that should be a good matchup they also face the hurricanes twice Uh, They they face Pittsburgh one more time, Philadelphia one more time, the Islanders one more time before the season is over. Um, In my opinion, they need to win at least six or seven of those nine games to solidify a divisional crown um, because the Metro division is so close. But I think they have the firepower to get it done. Uh, I also have Pittsburgh in the second seed just because they're one of those teams that in my opinion, just finds a way to put it together at the right time. They're they're kind of like a Washington in that sense. And also, Crosby is like 25 points in his last 13 games. He's, yeah, he's been nuts. Been on another level. Uh, Matt Murray is starting to play well, which is great for them. Uh, a bit concerned about their banged-up defense, which is why I had them second. I think that's going to hold them back a little bit. And I also think uh, there's a possibility they could move down to even third in the Metro, but I think... Um, I think they'll be good enough to finish second third seed I'm gonna give it to the Islanders although I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina finishes third though Um, just because uh, I don't know if you saw but uh, Brady Kachuk was pushed into Robin Leonard on Tuesday night and Robin Leonard left the game with the assistance of teammates He, he looked a bit shaken up on the play if he's out for a significant period of time and if it's concussion related that could spell bad news uh i don't know if you remember uh, back in 2014-15 when the sense went on that miracle run before the hamburger run even became a thing um him and clark MacArthur collided in a game against carolina both were shaken up both never really played that season um after that play um so he's he's had um He's had injury issues that have uh, kept him out of play for quite a bit. Um, If that is the same case here, hopefully it's not. Um, This could really hurt the Islanders because team defense and goaltending have been their bread and butter since day one of the regular season. And they've got a lot of hungry teams uh, on deck. They have Columbus and Montreal twice. Uh, Minnesota, Philadelphia, they're also going to be on deck. They have Washington, Toronto, and Boston all coming up on their schedule. Um, And like I said, Washington might have a tougher schedule than the Islanders do, but they have the weapons to possibly get by those heavyweights. I don't know if the Islanders do. So I think that could result in them sliding down the standings. I don't think they'll be a wildcard team. I think they'll be good enough to hold on to third place, but... They could be in a rough spot come playoff time, but um, for, for the moment, I've got them in my third spot.
1: Okay. I uh, will I don't want to spoil where I have the Islanders here. Um, <laughs> so uh, what about your wild card spots?
0: Well, you mentioned Carolina. They're my first one. Yep. Um, they've killed off 31 of their last 35 penalties. Uh, since February 10th, their power plays in the top 10. Um, they haven't averaged as many shots per game uh, in the past month, uh, compared to how they started off, they were averaging, like, 40 shots per game in, like, the first 10 games. Something r- ridiculous along those lines. Um, and I-, I think they're starting to show a little bit more of a human side. Um, for-, for a while, they were playing like they were cyborgs on ice, but um, they got throttled 8-1 to against Winnipeg. Um, on home ice which is not really a theme they've usually been very very good on home ice and they've really fed off of uh, the momentum they've gotten from the crowd there Uh, but then the next night they go on the road against Nashville and get a huge 5-3 win over against a a very tough Predators team Um, and because of their tough schedule that's why I have them as a wild card spot but Justin Williams has got this team believing in themselves and in the process, and I think they're a good enough team to make the playoffs. So I have them as my first wild card.
1: Okay. you uh, you want uh, me to
0: give you my second wild card? Yeah, yeah. I was,
1: uh, I, was I was gonna give. Yeah, we're going Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, then, uh, you, you know what? This is gonna be interesting because there's a bit of an asterisk to it. Uh, Montreal's going to get the final wild card spot.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: they've surrendered the tenth fewest shots uh, over the past month, even though Price has gone five, seven, and 0 during that stretch. Um, but Brendan Gallagher has been playing on another level. He's got a second straight thirty goal season under his belt. Um, Druin and Domi have been pretty good for them as well. Um, I think it's going to be enough to get them in the playoffs, but there is one part of their schedule that could really, really burn them, and that's their final five games. Columbus, Winnipeg, Tampa, Washington, Toronto. That's a huge stretch of hockey, and if they lay an egg during that stretch, that opens the door for a team like Columbus or Philly to get in, but if they're able to survive that, I think Montreal's in.
1: Okay yeah uh interesting um so yeah my first wild card team is the new york islanders um i this robin Leonard injury is actually is really bothersome to me or at least i feel like it's gonna be a longer term thing um and i'm not necessarily sure um how the the islanders are gonna cope with that so i yeah. feel like they're gonna slide a bit not enough to Truly, get out of the playoff race because they they currently have a pretty good um, you know cushion um, from the, all the other teams. But um, you know, I, I still feel like they're going to slide enough to be a wild card team. Um, so so, but they'll they'll get the first wild card spot, um, and then the second uh, team I have here is uh, Columbus. Um, I know that they've they've kind of been hot and cold since uh, since the trade deadline, but um, I still I feel like they're gonna figure it out once they like once they get Duchesne integrated, once they get to Zingle integrated, um, and uh, maybe if they can get Bobrovsky to get into a mood, um, I think they should be ready to to do that to do that um and just make it to the wild card spot the funny thing is is that they made all these big moves to get into the wild card and then they um you know to get into the playoffs um to like they signed all these rentals and stuff but um but if they do get this if i'm right and they get the second wild card spot, they're going to be playing Tampa in the first round, which means they're likely out in the first round. Um, yeah. So um, I do feel bad for Columbus. You, you don't even have them in the in the playoffs at all. Uh, so I find that interesting. Um, yeah. Like I
0: said, it all depends on Montreal's final five games. True. But Boston – or um, uh, sorry, Columbus has got a tough schedule ahead because yeah. they get Boston – three times before the season is over True. they also play teams like nashville uh they have a big game against carolina coming up yeah. uh they have Although, the islanders and the Habs to deal with as well
1: yeah those should be interesting because i feel like it's between those three teams uh but i will yeah. say like when you mentioned like that columbus is playing uh boston like in their next couple of games and Tampa, you know, Washington's playing Tampa in their next couple of games. Um,
0: yeah, and two of those meetings happen this week.
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, I thought you were referring to, like, these. this is going to be, like, the last week of the season or something. No, okay, no, that's no. They, fa-
0: they <laughs> faced the Bruins three times before April 7th and twice this week.
1: Got it, got it. I thought, okay, I, I, I misunderstood because I was going to say, it's like those teams are going to eventually start resting their players. Um, so it's not as bad, but yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, Montreal, um, I was thinking about if if I'm wrong about Columbus or Islanders, because um, I feel like those two teams are pretty shaky at the moment too. Uh, Montreal I have in. Um, they've been pretty consistent, fairly consistent, although they did lose to the Ducks on uh, mm-hmm. Friday, 8-2. to So that does get me a little bit... I'm unsure if Montreal is even going to make the playoffs or not. Um, as this Bruins fan, um, I'd be kind of I'm kind of happy about that. But as a hockey fan, um, you know you want Montreal to be in it. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, so, but
0: like you said, if they get the second wild card spot again, they probably face Tampa and true. are probably done in like four or five.
1: True. True. Um, I mean, either one of these teams is going to play Washington or Tampa. I don't know if I want to play either one on the first round. Yeah, given the but, choice, yeah.
0: I'd rather Washington.
1: <laughs> sure, true. Oh, the, the hot take alert. Um, <laughs> other teams that we didn't mention, but I felt like I should mention, uh, Philadelphia could surprise. I hear Carter Hart yeah. is uh, coming back. So if he like becomes like um, Superman again, um, then I think uh, Philadelphia could be a team not to be reckoned with. Um, late, late and and if you
0: if you look at uh, where they sit in the standings, um, yeah. all it takes is a losing streak by Columbus and a sure. winning streak by Philly, and all of a sudden they're tied.
1: Yeah. Um, Florida and Buffalo are kind of, like, too interesting because Florida is getting hot at the wrong time. Like, they're mm-hmm. just getting hot now. Um, and then Buffalo is they were hot in in the fall um you know october november but now they're like you know they're they're losing four straight so they're out they're on the like downwards turn and florida is on the upwards turn but i don't think either team is going to make the playoffs um enough so yeah. Um,
0: uh both both of us are in agreement with that and I think Buffalo's already done. I yeah. mean no, Carter Hutton is... has gone one four and two in his past yeah. nine games and he has a nine twenty three save percentage. Exactly. I,
1: I, I only mentioned Buffalo just because they were in good positions um early on in like December, but Yeah. Um but yeah, no. I remember I think we did a Thanksgiving type episode where we were trying we to did, predict yeah. the playoffs. And I think we both said that Buffalo was going to maintain it, but we were wrong on that. Uh, yeah, the Rangers, Devils, and Red Wings, and Senators are all out of the playoffs. Uh, um, Senators are officially out of the playoffs. Um, oh, are they? Yeah, it's official.
0: Oh, I'm surprised uh, they weren't out sooner.
1: No, I know, but uh, yeah, they are out officially. All right, let's go to the Western Conference. Um, since you started the the um, wild card stuff. I'll do the central. Um, okay. So I have, although I guess I started the Atlantic and Metro. <laughs> now that I think about it, maybe it makes sense for you just, okay, fine. I, we're going to do a, a audible. You'll do the central first. Okay. You're going to do and in the Pacific as well. And then I'll do the card Okay.
0: So I'll just run up my top three, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay.
1: For central.
0: Uh, Well, right now it says, at the time we're recording this, Winnipeg's first in the Central. Um, I think it's going to stay that way. It's going to be close, but I think they're going to get the division title. Um, Hellebuck's goals against average hasn't looked solid for most of this year, but he's had to face at least 30 shots in 10 straight outings. And with Washington scheduled to face Winnipeg at the time of this recording, wouldn't be surprised if it's eleven. And in four of those 10 occasions where he had at least 30 shots, he faced at least 40. And um, there was a game against Colorado where he faced 46 shots and seven goals went in. Uh, and that was 13 days after the Montreal Canadiens salted him five times on 53 shots. And I think part of the reason for that is because uh, Josh Morrissey and Dustin Bufflin have all missed significant time. That hasn't helped the team, um, it also doesn't help Hellebuck when the team in front of him has mustered the fewest shots in the league since February 10th. Um, somehow they still have a top 10 power play during that stretch. They're middle of the pack and goals for, um, I think their regulars are going to start to return to form though. Patrick Laine in particular has started to yeah. return to form a little bit. Uh, He's starting
1: making assists on, sorry, sorry. Go on. Yeah. I didn't mean to, I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk <laughs> yeah, when I, it's my turn. Sorry. Yeah,
0: and, and you did allude to Kyle Connor. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be a big piece for them. So I think uh, I think the Jets are going to return to form. Kevin Hayes looks good. They should be fine. They should finish mm-hmm. first. Uh, second in the Central, I have Nashville. Um, they're another one of those teams that better find a way to get hot when the games really matter. Thirty-one goals over their last thirteen games, the fifth fewest in the NHL. Uh, they have scored the same amount of times as my Ottawa Senators, which is terrible because the Sens are the worst team in the league. And uh, on top of that, their power play has also been dreadful, uh, four for 42 uh, since February 10th, a success rate under 10%. And their PK has also given up ten goal, uh, 11 goals on 44 chances. That's 75% success rate since February 10th. Uh, at the same time, I don't think that's gonna linger until April, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis have both picked it up. Um, Forsberg has three goals in his last 12 games. That's probably going to change. Victor Robertson has still been good. Brian Johansson's going to pick it up. Kyle Turris hopefully will as well. Um, I don't think um, we should sleep on Nashville at any point. Uh, they should sure. be able to. They should be able to deliver when it matters. Agreed. Uh, third spot, I'm giving it to St. Louis. Um, they are 14-3-1, or actually, sorry, 14-3-2 since February 1st. Um, they're getting a lot of breaks. Jordan Bennington is playing well. Brian O'Reilly is playing well. Tarasenko is looking better. Um, I don't see them falling out of the top three. Even if Jordan Bennington looks a bit more human, I, I don't think any teams like the Stars or the Minnesota Wild catch up to St. Louis. I think they're a safe bet for third.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much my three. Uh, Just really quickly, Winnipeg, um, just to add on to what you're saying. Yeah, Yeah. like line A um, has kind of gone and going. He hasn't scored as many goals, but um, another big critique of his was that he wasn't even getting assists. But now that he's on the first line, Mm -hmm. um, he's kind of been, um, you know, he's, he's been assisting a lot of, Blake Wheeler's goals, which is very interesting. Yeah, he had say.
0: a nice setup a couple nights yeah. ago. When, when You start getting points, and you start contributing, and you yeah. start doing the little things, so the goals will come.
1: Exactly. So, I'm not too worried about that, and I think like people are off his case a little bit just because he's now on the score sheet and doing something. Maybe it's not goals like we expect him to be, but even something better where he can do something else. So, it's like, we all know that he's capable of like 40 goals per season, but Um, if he can 40 goals a season but uh, if he can just like help out in other ways that's even better because he's not just a one-dimensional player anymore he can do a lot of different things Um, and also Kevin Hayes has also helped them a lot kind of like what we expected him to do because you know it's kind of the similar effect to Paul Stasny last year um, and it, it seems like Kevin Hayes has been like a a a good big player for them um, to kind of like solidify their top six. Um, Although I thought he was going to help line but it turns out that uh, now line is on in the top line with um, Wheeler and Shifley, whereas Hayes is with Connor and um, Ellers. So, I mean, that's not a bad wingers to have either way, but I thought line was going to be paired with um, Hayes, but um, whatever is working. Nashville, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, not too much to add. I am kind of curious because it seems like uh, P.K. Subban hasn't been as good as he usually has been. So I wonder if there's like, he, he's just lost focus or if he's just, um, you know, what's going on there. But um, Matthias Alcolm has been amazing this year. Um, and he's kind of like taken over as the like P.K. Subban's spot um in, in that in that regard but um yeah pk i am kind of curious what's going on with pk suban i wouldn't be surprised if he's playing injured or something like that we'll see it
0: should, it should also be noted that uh roman yossi and ryan ellis yeah. are one two fred scoring over the past month
1: yeah which could be
0: quite they're near a point per
1: game pace. Um, yeah, they're a team that I agree with you as well. Like they should, like we shouldn't be sleeping on them, but I feel like everyone is. So uh, watch out for them. Um, and then the third team is St. Louis um, as well. Just like you were saying, um, it seems like Jordan Biddington has kind of like uh, mellowed out a little bit, come down to earth. But um, it seems like Jake Allen has kind of like been decent enough, um, and they're. They're at a good point in their uh, team right now that I feel like they'll they'll be okay come playoff time. Um, but yeah, they kind of have a goalie controversy now uh, with uh, Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington. Um, we'll see. Uh, all right, now you do the Pacific.
0: Uh, well, it's going to be a tight race for one and two again uh, for different reasons. Uh, still, I'm going to go with the Sharks, who have gone 12-3-1 since February 1st um their gang contributions for not just their first line and their second line but also their third line um they do have to deal with the preds jets and flames one more time and they have two more meetings with vegas um they have the second best power play success rate since february 10th their penalty kill is the exact opposite uh what's also interesting to note is the goaltending tandem of martin jones and aaron dell um they haven't posted a total save percentage over 900 during the past 30 plus days and the reason i say that is the san jose sharks as a team have surrendered the fewest shots in the nhl during that same time frame and both goalies don't even have a save percentage of 900 which is a bit of a concern uh if you're a team that's trying to finish first in your division so Uh, On top of that, uh, also, as we're going to mention, the injury report, they're going to be without Eric Carlson. Maybe that affects them. Um, But the fact that they are getting their third line going along with their first line and their second line, I think they'll have enough to finish first. It'll be close, but I think they'll finish first. Uh, Second C in the Pacific, I'm giving to Calgary, uh, who played Minnesota, Toronto, Vegas, and Arizona during their current four-game slide Um, During that time, they've averaged 1.25 goals for uh, a 3.62 goals against average uh, shooting percentage, not even at 5%, which is very unusual for a Calgary team that has an offense that can roll four lines. Uh, Their power play success rate is below 12% during that four game slide too. But again, they're a team that has too much firepower, too much talent to be this bad for very long. So I think they're going to figure it out. Uh, Johnny Hockey is going to be uh, playing to his potential. Elias Lindholm sure to follow. Uh, same with Sean Monaghan, Mack and as well. Uh, if the goaltending is better than San Jose's, I think they could win the Pacific. But they couldn't thrive against teams with stingy defense like Minnesota, Arizona, and Vegas. And they have a couple of tough draws against Columbus, Winnipeg, Vegas, and San Jose as well. So those four games uh, could decide uh, how they finish in the standings. Speaking of Vegas, uh, they are the third seed. And if I'm San Jose and Calgary, I'm hoping I win the division because I think Vegas is going to be the team that no one wants to go up against in round one. Um, The reason they're in third is because they have too much ground to make up with San Jose and Calgary, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. So they're a solid third seed that I don't think is – Going to be overtaken by anybody and they're also not going to overtake either san jose or calgary and when you look at how good marc andre fleury has been he had a shutout streak of over 200 minutes uh he stopped 138 of his last 142 shots on a five game win streak himself and uh, the vegas golden knights with mark stone are also rolling so um when you add all of the factors with this team and how they're getting on at the right time and how they're gelling so well. Um, If I'm San Jose and Calgary, I wouldn't be so comfy if I finished second.
1: Yeah. That's kind of interesting that you have Vegas going third because um, even though they're the hottest team of those three teams, um, I have Vegas going first. Now maybe that's a little bit too crazy um, but I feel like they're, they're rolling right now. Um, I know that they're like, you know, they have a lot to pick up on, but they're still like nine points out of it. So I, I don't see why, like, even if Calgary's struggling, um, and so is San Jose struggling a, a bit. I mean, I guess San Jose's not really struggling, but I could see a case where Vegas kind of Pulls out ahead of the Pacific. It's not like the. It's between San Jose and Calgary. Um, they're like Vegas is nine points back from uh, San Jose at the current moment right now. So I wouldn't
0: mind seeing Vegas finish first either. Yeah. To, to be
1: honest, um, I feel like Mark Stone really helps this team. It's kind of funny how um, they have their second line now is Max Pacioretty. Uh, Mark Stone, and Paul Stasny. And those are all three guys that they pretty much only had to give up um, Thomas Tatar uh, to get. Um, and, I mean, of course, you know, they gave up Nick Suzuki and Eric Brandstrom, but those are guys that are going to be players in a couple years. But, like, now players in the league, they only gave up those two players. Like, they, they only gave up Thomas Tatar Um and I mean, obviously a couple of draft picks as well, but it's kind of crazy when you think of it um, in that terms. It's like they're actually a legitimate team um, and all that stuff. So I, I feel like they're they're on their way up. They have like a good mix of players right now. Um, I feel like they're just going to continue to roll. And um, so I, I feel like they have a good shot of making the first round. But now after hearing your stuff, I'm like, um, I realized that I have the hot take and you 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 don't have the hot take. Um,
0: well, I, I, <laughs> I do have another hot take that they gotta watch Fleury's minutes. Yeah. And they gotta right. get Subban playing a bit more because they cannot afford to have a tired Marc-Andre Fleury hanging yeah. in the playoffs, even if I, they finish first.
1: I believe Subban is playing Calgary tonight, um, okay. so. Um, we'll see how that goes, but um, yeah, no, you, you have a good point in terms of, like, uh, trying to make sure that uh, Flurry isn't fatigued or anything. Um, my second team is San Jose. Um, yeah, kind of, like, I don't really want to add on to anything, but I, I've been saying this all year, but, like, Thomas hurdle is amazing. Um, I love the guy. Um, also, Timo Meyer is pretty good, too. Um, they've kind of helped out and like when you have Joe Thornton as your third line center, you're a pretty good team. Um, We'll talk about this later on in the show, but um, Eric Carlson um, is going to uh, be out for the rest of the season. Um, He's waiting for them to make the, you know, he's going to be back probably when the playoffs come. Um, I
0: also, I also so, heard there was a possibility that maybe they get him in the final few regular season games as well to make possible. sure he's warmed up for the playoffs. Yeah, that's but yeah, possible. Way he's he's going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. But
1: yeah, either way, I feel like that's going to have an effect on their team, um, yeah. even still. So, um, I mean, of course, they have Brent Burns and uh, Vlasic and all that, but um, I still feel like that's that might hurt them. Like, that could be a potential risk, but... Yep. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, it is a smart move by San Jose. Just get him ready. You know, you don't want to rush him into anything. And um, if he's not healthy, um, now you, you know you can prepare yourself um, better uh, come playoff time. So I I, uh, I like that um, how how they're handling that situation. Um, and then Calgary, I have third. Um, they're sliding so much now um, it's starting to make me wonder if their goaltending is like because I think we've been worried about their goaltending for a long time now yeah
0: they had Chris in goal yeah. before the puck dropped on the air
1: and it, you know it's funny because like Mike, Mike Smith is basically now the starter for the, for Calgary and um, he has, he's been okay better than David Riddick and David Riddick has kind of come back to earth as well so it's kind of like an interesting thing I, I am kind of officially worried about their goaltending. Um, not just, I mean, they'll obviously still make the playoffs just because the Pacific is, one of, is probably the weakest d- division. But at the same, like during the playoff time, I'm not sure if they have what it takes um, if they play San Jose or Vegas um, come the first round. So uh, they may be a first round exit. I feel like they're just losing so much ground now that um that they're gonna be um they're gonna be struggling um for the time being
0: yeah Um, which is why i think it's important for them to finish first
1: also like matt kachuk hasn't been scoring as much as he used to early on um you know so uh that that has a big effect on their team because that was one of the big reasons why they were doing so well in the first place but um i don't think it will take them out of the playoffs altogether but Um, It is worrying that they're on a decline starting now, so we'll see. Um, Let's go to the wild card. I guess I'll go first, because I did it in a weird way. (laughs) um, I'm gonna say that I think Dallas is gonna be the first wild card team. Um, um, Ben Bishop has low-key had a really good season this year. I believe he has like a a ninth. We talked about this last week, I think, or a couple weeks ago, but he has like a nine thirty save percentage. Yeah, nine thirty save percentage, um, which is amazing. Uh, He shut out um, the one of the teams last on Friday. um, Yeah, he's he's
0: also turned aside 160 of his last 165 shots. He's on a flurry type run right
1: now. Right, right. So. he may be one of those play like, he could be a sneaky, like, player, you know, goalie to get uh, in your playoff fantasy pools because, you know, he could be, you know, something to keep an eye on. He could be one of those, like, I feel like every year there's at least one goalie that goes on a hot run um, and makes their team, that makes or breaks their team, but I feel like Ben Bishop could be that guy for them. Um, also, it seems like Tyler Sagan has sort of figured things out, so... So there's that, um, and then the wild card, I think this is gonna be my wa- my big my big hot take here, but I th- I think Arizona might actually make the wild card spot. Um, I know they don't have Anti Ranta, I know they don't have Nick Schmaltz, but um, it seems like they're kind of like working well together. Kemper has actually been decent enough where I feel like they can uh, rely on him long term. Um, they also, you know, it seems like Dalchenyuk's getting going. I don't know. Like, OEL, Chickrin has uh, sort of to uh, reveal that he, he's, like, you know, he's started to be more about what we kind of expected him to be. Um, so, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, Arizona could make that jump into being the wild card spot.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I have Dallas as my first wild card spot. Um, people talk about how good Bishop has been. If you look at Hugh Dobin's goals against average over his last yeah, eight starts, to. it's almost at three, but he's posted a 923 c percentage despite that. So even Hugh Dobin has been pretty good when Bishop has been playing. Yep. Um, as a team, they've surrendered the seventh fewest goals since February 10th. They've also given up the ninth most shots while scoring the third fewest goals. So maybe uh reality comes back to bite them at some point and that's probably why i have them no higher than a wild card spot also because st louis is doing very well um but they need everything firing on all cylinders uh just to solidify a playoff spot uh for the second wild card um you know what i i was really debating this i think minnesota has the tougher schedule compared to dallas Uh, They also don't have the consistent goaltending that Dallas has received this year. They also have the second worst penalty kill since February 10th, and Matt Dumba is still hurt. Um, But they're still in the thick of it because Ryan Donato has nine points in his first nine games with the team. Uh, Thank Mm -hmm. you to Brett Bruins for that ad. So I think they're going to eke out Arizona by at least one or two points. But again, I'm going to put the asterisks there because they have a head-to-head with Arizona coming up, and if Arizona wins that, I'm keeping the door open for the Coyotes to sneak in. So, yeah, um, I think I think that head-to-head between Minnesota and Arizona could determine the final wild card spot.
1: Yeah, that's that's. I guess I don't know. I I guess Minnesota has kind of, I mean, currently Minnesota's in the wild card position. If it were to end today, uh, they would have that. Uh, spot um there um yeah No, the thing yeah the thing with um Dubnik is he's he's had a couple of games recently where he's been really good he had a shutout on on a yet yeah, on a Friday um but then he gave up like three goals uh, the next day to Florida um he mm. shut out Tampa Bay um and then you know he's had a couple of games like where he gave up four goals to Nashville, he get but then he gives up two goals to Calgary, two goals to Winnipeg, one goal to St. Louis. So those are all pretty good teams. Um, yeah, he um, he's kind of been uh, hot and cold there, but for the most part, he's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota makes it. Um, I just I feel like I like Arizona um, in that spot instead. Of, but they were one of my teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they made it. Um, and then, for
0: as, as far as as far as uh, Minnesota versus Arizona goes, it's a case for Minnesota: Do you have enough consistency? And for Arizona, it's yeah, do they have enough? Period. Sure. Do they have enough? And yeah, I just think the injury bug might be the difference in that. But, but I would love to see Arizona get rewarded. But on the I'm
1: on the other team. side, like Minnesota treated their best player in Grandland um, you know they they traded another good like two way forward in Charlie Coyle, um, yeah. and you know they're they're kind of on the verge of rebuilding, um, if not already. So I feel like they don't necessarily. And you mentioned the Dumba injury, so I feel like they're they're not going to make the playoffs because they they have a lot of question marks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: and I think marks. they're in the case of. Columbus where if they make the playoffs they're probably out by round
1: Randall yeah I mean that's the same for Arizona too um, yeah true uh, Colorado was another team that I feel like could make it um, but we would be remiss if we didn't say that uh, we're going to talk about this again uh, come the rapid fire but um, Landis cog is out like four to six weeks um, yep. so that's definitely going to hurt them I feel like it's going to be enough that they won't even make the playoffs um, anymore. They did win last night on sa- on Saturday, um, but I, I just don't see them win because they already have depth issues already even with Landeskog in the in the lineup. Um, so I just don't see how they can win without him honestly. So um, I feel like he uh, he's a big part of why they were even in the race to begin with, but. Um, the good news is that Colorado has two first-round picks. One yeah. of them could land them Capo Caco or Jack Hughes. Um, so, yeah, we'll see them next year. Um, yeah, given the sense,
0: look, it's probably Jack Hughes. And, yeah. and even without that uh, added boost of talent in the draft, the Abs have generated 518 shots over the last 15 games. That's an average of 34.5 shots per game. Yeah, that's the most in the NHL since February 10th. However, they have also surrendered 477 shots, and the only three teams that have given up more shots than them since February 10th are the Rangers, Sabers, and Devils.
1: Imagine if Colorado wins the lottery with that pick. <laughs> so then they get both Jack Hughes and Kapokako. Uh, that would be that would be. Imagine if they get
0: that lottery pick and they still miss the playoffs next year. Yeah, that's (laughs) also possible. That would be funny in a sad kind of
1: way. Yeah, yeah, they'd be kind of like the new Oilers. Yeah, uh, yeah, so other teams, just because I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention them. uh, Edmonton, Chicago, Vancouver are all close, but I don't think they have enough gas to do it um this kind of just in but Quinn Hughes is going to uh he is officially signed with Vancouver uh, Michigan's out of the playoff um yeah. in the NCAA so they're going to uh, Quinn Hughes is now officially a Vancouver Canucks um I assume he's going to be start playing them but not like nine games but he'll probably play um I mean less than nine games so we'll see um How he does, uh, he'll probably have his debut sometime next week, or this week, I guess. Um, And then Anaheim, LA um, are also other teams as well. But uh, yeah, no, I don't think um, any of those teams are gonna uh, make any noise. Chicago had a run a couple times where you thought like, oh, maybe they could do it. Um, Edmonton's a a tire fire, um, but yeah, I, don't, I think it's like a four-team race for the wild card, those two wild card spots. Um, yeah. Let's go to the rapid fire here. Um, but yeah, that was, that was fun. I kind of kept track of uh, our predictions. So I kind of want to look back a month from now and see where we went um, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, okay, let's do this here. Rapid fire, Mark Stone signs an extension officially uh, to Vegas, uh, eight years and nine point five million. I believe the next game that um, that he played in, he scored his first goal as a Vegas Golden Knight. Um, he has four points in six games already for Vegas. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, I I picked him. I feel like they're gonna be the first of the division winners this year. Uh, mostly because Mark Stone fits in wondrously with them. Um, yeah, and it's also like I was just mentioning before, but like they have Pacioretty, um, long term as well and uh, Stasny they have locked up as well through a free agency. So they have a like, that's like a first line on pretty much every team. It'll probably eventually be a first line um, eventually, but in, in Vegas, but like they pretty much locked up their a uh, line purely through trades and free agency which is impressive as hell um and, and you know stone and patch are very good players obviously so there's that as well
0: yeah so um we'll, we'll talk a bit about um is production and and what it means for the open market in a bit but i i wanted to emphasize a couple of things about this contract uh, when you take away the jock tax the federal tax which is 37%, the 13.5% escrow, and the 3% agent fee. His actual average annual value, the amount of money that he keeps of the 9.5 million is 4.275 million, which is still quite a lot of money. Um, The key to note is the amount of bonus money in this contract though. Uh, His $9 million bonus next year is the seventh highest in the league, and his base salary in 2020-21, and 2022, 23, both of which are potential lockout seasons. Uh, his base salary drops to one million each of those years, and all the 76 million he's making in this deal, 48 million is through signing bonus money. And we noticed a lot of this in the in the Matthews deal that was recently signed, and the Connor McDavid deal that was signed a year or so ago. Uh, Tavares is another name that comes to mind, where you see a lot of the money um being paid out through bonuses and uh george mcphee was asked if he would ever sign a contract like this uh last july 1st and here's what he had to say about it the whole point of signing bonuses all throughout the contract is to make it buyout proof because you can't buy out a signing bonus you can only buy out salary also if there's a signing bonus in a year where there is work stoppage you have to pay that signing bonus whether they're playing or not We haven't done it. It's not a prudent thing to do in my mind, but I've never done it. In situations like when Marchessault signed his deal, he had never made a lot of money in his career before that, so he gave him a little money up front to buy a house. But there aren't signing bonuses all throughout that contract. We've never done that. And George McPhee did that for Mark Stone, and I think money-wise tells you how much George McPhee values Mark Stone. He didn't do that for any player before Mark Stone, and he went all out to make sure that this guy was a part of their team for the next eight years.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, it seems like a pretty good deal. Um, I think it – like, I don't – there's no way Ottawa was going to sign him for that long or for that much. Um, But, yeah, no, it it seems like it's going to work out for them. Um, But, yeah, no, it seems like – and also – Uh, Vegas is in a a good spot right now, so um, we'll see how it goes in the long run, but right now it's looking pretty good. Um, Yeah,
0: what also also intrigues me is how this is gonna affect the open market come July 1st, because if I'm a guy like Jeff Skinner, this is a contract extension I bring to Jason Botterill when I'm asking for a pay raise, because Jeff Skinner is nearing 40 goals on the year, he said second in overall takeaway since 2014-15, the only guy who has more is Mark Stone. And if Stone receives an average annual value that is pushing towards 10000000 million, I'm thinking if I'm Jeff Skinner, hey, my average annual value should be at least 8 or $9 million per year. Because Stone is a very good player. He's one of the most complete players the NHL has to offer. But do you see Mark Stone on the NHL's top 10 jersey sales? No. No. You're likely to see guys like Nikita Kucherov, guys like Connor McDavid, guys like Austin Matthews, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Jack Eichel. Stone is your standard top-line player that will probably not achieve his offensive potential, which is maybe 80 or 90 points a year, on the second line. And even if he's on line one, does Vegas' style of play complement Stone's offensive abilities in the long run for him to get 80 to 90 points a year, let alone 70? This contract, in my opinion, shakes up the league. It affects the value of every other tier in the league. And what it also makes me wonder is, gee, if Mark Stone is getting $9.5 million per year, what's William Carlson going to get? Because he's making less than $6 sure. million this year hasn't posted the numbers that he did last year. And his numbers last year were ridiculous. He had 43 goals and 78 points. This year, just 19 goals and 43 points in 69 games. But um, how is this going to impact William Carlson's contract on July 1st? What's he going to sign on for? And what is Eric Halla going to receive uh, after next year when he needs a new contract? Those are the things that come to my mind from a Vegas perspective.
1: Yeah. Uh, forgot about Eric Holla. feels like he's been out the entire year. I think he yeah. has, actually. Yeah, um, well,
0: the, the whole reason I didn't see him on the cap-friendly active roster is because he's on their IR list.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Carlson, uh, so we kind of mentioned this beforehand, but um, Eric Carlson has a groin injury. He's week-to-week. Um, it looks like they're just going to wait for him come uh, playoff time. Um, and then you mentioned that they might put him out there um, just before like a couple of games before the playoffs start. Um, but yeah, no, I think it, it makes sense to do this. I already said all this stuff, but um, it makes sense to just uh, keep him out uh, until they're ready. And that's when you really need him is during the playoffs. So you want to make sure he's a hundred percent healthy. And if you're going to rest him, you should do it now.
0: A uh, part of the reason why I also kind of secretly want Vegas to finish third is uh, in the hopes that the oh. Sharks finish second and we get Eric Carlson versus Mark Stone in round one.
1: Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Although yeah,
0: you I, I could pick someone to cheer for. I that feel like so you'd be, fun. yeah, I was about That'd to say, so
1: you're going to be conflicted there.
0: Yeah. Just go to game seven, double OT or something. Yeah, at least yeah, make it fun.
1: Like uh, we also mentioned this, um, at the start of the show, Landis um, is out four to six weeks. Uh He is injured with a upper body injury, Um, but that puts him out to like early to mid April, at least. Um So that all depends on if Colorado even makes the playoffs, but he might be done for the season if, if they don't make the playoffs. But yeah, I no, yeah. that's a big blow for them for sure. Yeah.
0: And, and you look at his stats uh, too. He's having one of the better yeah. seasons of his career, 33 goals, 69 points, and 68 games. Also, 230 shots, 10 power play goals, nine game winners. And he's averaging over 21 minutes of time on ice per game. So um, it's it's unfortunate that, like Ranton in his career year,
1: yep. it
0: might not result in a playoff appearance for the Avs. Because uh, yeah, sure. those three guys, along with McKinnon, uh, those two guys, along with McKinnon, have been playing excellent hockey. Yeah, it's for just, sure. It's just beyond them, things haven't gone right.
1: For sure. Um... Let's see here. We also talked about this also on our show uh, just now, but Robin Leonard, um, he's currently day-to-day, but he may be out longer. It's unclear. Um, But, uh, yeah, he has an upper body injury. Um,
0: Especially if that upper body injury is a concussion. It's even worse.
1: Yeah. uh, You said that he had, like, a collision on Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah,
0: so what happened was Brady Kachuk was driving to the net. It looked like he was pushed in, but anyways, he... He barreled into Leonard, and uh, the 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 sense scored on that play. And uh, regardless of whether he was pushed in or not, Brady Kachuk uh, barreled into him, and uh, Leonard was shaken up and didn't finish the game. Yeah. So uh, if if it ends up being a hit injury, that's pretty bad. Uh, given what happened to him and MacArthur in 2015, you know, when once sure. you once you suffer a one uh, injury like that. Um, and, and he, it took him a couple of months to recover from that. Uh, if he's out for an extended period of time, it could really hurt the Islanders.
1: Yeah. That's kind of why I thought that they would slide, um, to a wild card spot, but, yeah. um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know if it makes sense to rush him back in. Cause they just had like, they found like <laughs> lightning in the bottle in that sense. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Um. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Nico Heischer. Um, I'm actually, oh, God. So I'm looking at New Jersey's injury list. They have about, like, 20 people on here. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I can list it all for you.
0: Well, I, I know for sure Hall's out. Yep. I know for sure Kyle Palmieri's out.
1: Yeah, uh, jo- no, Palmieri's not on here, even. Uh, jo- Yeah. Well, first off, we're going to mention that. He
0: was listed as week to week, I think, last week, but.
1: okay. well, he's not on here. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, (laughs) Nico Heischer is injured. He has an upper body injury. I believe they said that he might be out for two weeks, um, but he's not on their road trip. Um, So we'll see about that. Um, If you're curious, because I I think you are, we'll see. John Quenville, Stefan Nosen, Kevin Rooney. I know, big names here. Jesper Brat.
0: I figured Brat would be on there.
1: Sammy, I thought, thought it's not get injured. Sammy Vadanin has an illness. Uh, All right. Nathan Bastian, um, whoever that is. Uh, Nico Heischer, um, as yeah. we mentioned. Um, Mirko Mueller. Uh, they have Miles Wood on here twice, but I don't know <laughs> why. They also have John Quenville on here twice. Uh, Pavel Zaka and of course Taylor Hall, so that's like <laughs> that's a lot of players. Yeah. But I mean, but it's, not t- yeah, not
0: twenty, but more than five. That's, yeah. that's still a
1: lot. Not yeah, obviously. Not. I mean, I'm exaggerating for obvious reasons, <laughs> but it's a lot of players. Um, yeah. Even still, like you know, obviously that Nico, uh, Nico's injury hurt, but again, kind of like Taylor Hall, um, it's you know, it kind of makes sense just to give him rest because it's. This is a lost season anyway, so you just, yeah. you know, try your best next year. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it makes sense to just let go of Nico this year as well, like just take him out um, for the rest of the year, just so you yeah. you you know you can try to get a better lottery position um, when it happens, but yeah, no, that, that uh, we'll see. Um, then uh, we have, uh, I only have, well, I mean, there's another reason here because he, he was a big prospect for them, but, um, and still it is. But uh, Jesse puglia um is underwent surgery on not one hip, but two hips, uh, which yeah. is amazing. Um, I did some research on here and apparently this is very common amongst a lot of like young NHL players. Like there's just a way of like, if you're skating a lot, um, Just growing up, it's just natural, your hips naturally just going to be disjointed at one point of your life. So it's kind of like the equivalent of like having a Tommy John surgery in baseball, um, where you know you you just have to get it done with because it's like uh, it's just a thing that hockey players have to do. But having surgery on both hips is crazy to me, Um, yeah, both hips at
0: once. At not once. just one after the yeah, other at
1: the same time. Right, right. At the same time, too. Um, so I hope all the best for him. I just hope, like, at this point, I just hope that he can, like, skip, walk fine. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's only 20 years old as well. So it's not like he's that old. Um, but, uh, you know, I just hope that he's fine and it's not like a tragic tale of um, injuries ending his career shortly. Um, but, I mean, at least he's getting it covered now hopefully it works out for him but i imagine it's gonna be a while for him uh to be back to what we expected of him to be
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um yeah do you have any thoughts on that or no well
0: uh, yeah i even if he even if he wasn't hurt i i feel like his time in edmonton is slowly running out um I, i just don't know if he's a good enough fit for the oilers um if he's better off on a, a different team that will be able to utilize him better i just think overall he hasn't been a good fit with the team and it's tough because you know he was he was a highly touted prospect yeah. when he first arrived um In fact, a Clu- lot of people columbus thought columbus was...
1: was
0: uh Nick dubois instead of him yeah. but uh yeah it, it's it's a it's another uh draft it could be another draft pick bust, regardless of his health but uh, at, at this point you know when you have surgery on both hips you know you're, you're not just concerned about you know what your future is for your team is do you have a future in hockey so True. Uh, hopefully everything goes well and he's back on the ice asap but uh, definitely not an entry. uh the oilers should be willing to rush because uh, if, if if they bought this uh His career might not only take a hit; uh, he he might not be the same. So, yeah, Yeah.
1: we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Mike Green uh, looks like uh, he well, he's out for the season. Um, It looks like it's an illness. It's not like an actual injury. He's had.
0: Yeah, I'll give you some backstory. Yeah, it's like some
1: liver illness or something like that. Yeah,
0: so uh, he had this back in October, and it's come back. So they're yeah. just shutting it down, making sure he rests up, and making sure this is taken care of and it doesn't reappear. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's something. But yeah. um, that's unfortunate for him. Yeah, um,
0: spe- speaking of career-threatening injuries, that could become career-threatening in a hurry. So.
1: True, true. Um, all right. I mean, I think he – didn't he miss, like, a lot of games last year too? Um, I don't think it was due to an illness, but um, – yeah. I don't know. I'm getting shades of, like, a Marion Hosa. Like, he uh, he couldn't play just because he was, like, allergic to um, the uniform. Uh, yeah,
0: like, a very bad uh, skin condition.
1: Uniform. Yeah. So I wonder, I, I don't think this is a skin condition. But if this is, like, a, just a disease or a virus, um, yeah, that's not going to be great. Um, and then, uh, so that's it for injuries this week. Um, so then now we're gonna talk about uh, one, there was GM meetings this week. There wasn't a ton to talk about, but uh, there was, um, Mark Bergevin did make a comment about this that I think is worth discussing at least. Um, as you guys know, um, the, or maybe you don't know, I don't know, offer sheets um, where you, uh, another team can offer sheet a restricted free agent um, mm-hmm. and it's become this whole deal where um, if the player signs the offer sheet, the, uh, the, te- the original team can match the offer, um, and then, but if they, they don't match, then they have to, um, the team that offer sheeted has to give back some compensatory picks, um, and that's a big reason why we haven't seen an offer sheet um, even happened since like I want to say 2010, um, so that Ryan O'Reilly, the Flames, offer sheeted uh, him. I believe it probably was after 2010, but it's well, been a while. The
0: most notable was Shea Weber yeah. when the Flyers offer sheeted him in Nashville. Matched, right?
1: It. But like, uh, yeah, the uh, the Flames offer sheeted Ryan O'Reilly, but the the Avalanche matched. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the Shea Weber one. So that may have been the most recent one. Uh, but that was like in 2013, um, if I remember correctly. So that, it's been a while, just to say that. Um, but anyways, um, Mark Bergevin was saying is that, he says this to Pierre Lebrun, um, maybe one of the reasons it hasn't been done, he's talking about offer sheets in a long time, is because with the draft lottery the way it is now, the bubble teams, those could be lottery picks, Benjamin said, that player makes you better but doesn't make you that much better where you know you're going to be a shoe in to make the playoffs, um, he's not sure, question mark. With the lottery system including all the teams now that miss the playoffs, all the teams have a chance at the top pick. That might be making teams a bit more nervous, and I mean the elite teams don't have the cap space to make the, that offer sheet, so it really comes to the bubble teams, I think that's one of the reasons you don't see it as much now. I mean, a team can go from 15 to 2 in the lottery now. Um, It used to be where a team, if if a team that was high up or, like, almost just missed the playoffs, um, like, wins the lottery, they only move, like, three spots. But Bergerman's or what the NHL does now, is that if you do... um, If you do win the lottery, even if you are like close, even if you were close to winning or making the playoffs, uh, you could get uh, the first seed. Um, And this uh, this definitely helps in the tanking. Like not a ton of teams tank anymore, but um, at the same time, it does give a good point as to why. There are going to be like there are less offer sheets, or we don't see them as often as we used to, um, which is kind of a shame because I feel like, you know, the teams have all the power. Come when you come to like young players, um, really. And um, but yeah, no, I think I think it has more to do with the fact that they don't want the compensatory picks, even if it is going to be a lottery pick or not. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to do with the lottery protection on that on those picks. It just has more to do with the fact that if you sign if you offer sheet someone like Mitchell Marner for Mitch Marner for like I don't know ten million, you're gonna be giving up four straight years of first round picks to the Leafs and, and paying a guy ten million in yeah, the process. Exactly. So. You have to really think about if it's really, like if Mitch Marner's the guy, like if you're going to pay Mitch Marner that much, like you're going to have to make sure that you have a really good team and make the playoffs those next four years. And that's not something that a lot of teams will do. I feel like the only two players that you could make a case for offers shooting that much would be Matthews and McDavid, but um, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh... But yeah, but this year we've talked about this before. Mitch Marner, Linea, Rantanen, Kachuk, Breedenpoint, Brock Besser, McAvoy—they're um, all going to be RFAs. But it seems pretty likely that they're all going to be signing with their the team that they um, that drafted them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I definitely agree with Bergman. I think uh, the lottery uh, does have something to do with that. Um, and uh again to to reiterate my point you know if if you're a really bad team and you're just as bad as you were before um you basically sign a guy for like nine or ten million dollars a year to a max contract and you might be giving up four lottery picks yeah like no matter how good that player is that's a trade you probably lose Yep. so yeah what's what's also what's also interesting uh, is that uh, there was also a proposal not approved but a proposal for a new rule that would force skaters to immediately head to the bench when they lose their protective gear uh in other words their helmet and under the current legislation a player is currently allowed to stay on the ice if his helmet becomes dislodged um this proposal would have to go through the nhl the nhl players association competition committee and then to the board of governors for final approval uh, and if passed if a helmetless skater uh fails to immediately leave the ice after losing a helmet he gets a two-minute penalty and this is a rule that um the IIHF has adopted and if you compare it to the ahl the AHL is a bit different where it allows a player to remain on the ice if he's able to put his helmet back on. Um, so I, I think for the sake of safety, especially as Rob Blake points out, you know, if we grandfather the visors, we should probably introduce this. Yeah. And um, I'm all for it, especially if it uh, reduces concussions. It might be a slight inconvenience, like if if you break your stick or whatnot, but um, it, it's, it's definitely safer – skating around the ice with a helmet on them with that we're not in the 70s or 80s anymore where you're allowed to do that and uh, I'm, I'm surprised um, why they're even allowed uh, to do it back then even, even even if the protective headgear wasn't as protected um, in the olden days and I, I would think they would be able to come up with some type of protective headgear but a lot of the players back in those days just didn't wear any
1: yeah the that i think that should help their injuries risk i'm not yeah i didn't realize that was a thing um but yeah no it seems like it should i mean obviously it's not gonna like fix concussions in the nhl Mm -hmm. but it could reduce the amount um if you do it that way yeah Um, and
0: and george peros uh the director of player safety pointed out when guys lose their helmets they don't change their game yeah. They want to go to those same gritty areas. They're proud and tough uh, athletes. So um, yeah. if if the helmet's knocked off and you think it changes their game plan, he, he argues, no, they play the same way uh, without a helmet as they would if they did have a helmet on. So, yeah, I, again, that even further expands the risk of injuries, specifically head injuries, um, when you think about it that way. So I, that's why I think even it's an even – bigger reason to make sure that uh, they implement this rule.
1: Yep. We're going to Bruin Sins right now. Um, I guess I'm I guess I have here that I went f- I'm going first. I thought you went first. I thought I, I went, I first, went last
0: first last week. Okay. So, so I have.
1: I am going. So I was right, right. there. Um, yeah. For some reason I thought I went first last time. But no, that's right. Because you were you were ranting about Mark Stone last week. That's um, mm-hmm. right. Um, and then I and then I had to go quickly um, Alright, the Bruins played the Hurricanes on Tuesday um, It was an interesting game uh, Sebastian Ajo got the first two goals um, Then we had Chris Wagner who's actually been very good for us. I thought he was gonna be like one of those um, players that uh, wasn't like even as a depth guy he wasn't gonna be good for us but he's been he's been picking it up so I like uh, Chris Wagner Jake debrus scores as well in the second period um, and then on the third period we have uh, Patrice Bergeron who gets a shorthanded goal from Brad Marchand um, and then Justin Williams um, gets a goal to tie things up um, and then wouldn't you know it a David Krejci gets the overtime goal from uh, Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque um, is kind of having a moment now. Um, I think it, a lot of it has to do with with uh, do, like, Pasternak's not there. I hope this continues. I know he's injured uh, now or he's day to day, but um, it's still, um, I like what I'm seeing of J- Jake DeBrusque. I know He's he's been a part of that 2015 team where we could have had Besser, we could have had Barzal, we could have had Shabbat, we could have had Connor, but um, you know at least like one of these play one of those three players that we drafted is gonna turn into something. Uh, we still haven't seen Zach Sinishin or um, Jacob Swirl up um, on the pro roster yet. Um, I'm still remaining patient because it's not like we necessarily need those guys to do well right now. But um, at least it's something where it's like not all three of those picks were a complete bust, just purely because Jake deBrusque has shown that he can uh, he can be a, a good player for us, so or at least something. Um, so yeah. I like that.
0: And, and that pass that he made on the Kreci yeah. game winner was world class. Yes, yeah. was it was nuts. Awesome.
1: Yeah, he's kind of elevated his game so. Um, I liked what I was seeing there. Uh, he, yeah, he's been clutch lately. He was a big part. I think he had the game winner again in Game 7 uh, against Toronto last year. Um, he, uh, he's kind of, uh, he was a little bit slow early on in the season, but um, it seems like he's picking things up. But hopefully the injury isn't that serious. We'll see. Um, they play Florida next. Um, so Barkov started things off. Um, then you have Jonathan Huberdeau. This play, this goal I kind of actually do remember. Um, it looked like it was like a high stick, but they called it um, a goal anyways. So it was kind of weird, because I thought they wouldn't have counted it, but um, they ended up counting it. Um, David Krejci then scores, so it's 2-1 at the end of the second period. There was no goals in the first period. Um, and then in the third period, it kind of gets crazy. Uh, Patrice Bergeron gets a short Cole from Charlie McAvoy and Brian Marchand, uh, then Jonathan, um, gets another goal, um, a couple minutes later, um, that was a pretty nice goal too, um, and then it's like, you know, it's towards the end, so it's, there's about a minute left, um, and I was just thinking like, alright, I guess this point streak is no longer a thing, just as well i talked about this early on in the show i just don't want them to get too hot so maybe this will be a good thing um and they can work on that stuff and then all of a sudden it's a power play and then in comes matt grizelik um and charlie mcavoy had a beautiful pass to him matt grizelik scores from the blue line um and i was like i was getting like i was like psyched at this point because I was like so excited um, that we, you know, I was like, alright, cool, we're we're back in this Let's, anything can happen in overtime and shootout, we'll see what's going on um, I was just so psyched for overtime and then 30 seconds later, Patrice Bergeron uh, scores like from like, like a crazy place too, it was like not really on the on the wall, but like very close to the wall. He just shoots it, um, and it goes in. Um, it was amazing, and we scored with, uh, there's like about uh, seven seconds left um, in the game. It was amazing. Um, but I was just, it was one of those moments, I remember back to um, 2013, the Stanley Cup Finals, when the Chicago Blackhawks won their cup against the Bruins. Um, they had two unanswered goals in 17 seconds. Um, I now know what it feels like to score two unanswered goals to win the game um, in little dire minutes. Um, obviously, not at the same level, but it was it was pure joy there, um, and it was amazing. And speaking of Stanley Cup Finals and the Bruins, um, Luongo is not. Um, I would say Luongo does not like the Bruins um, a lot. He uh, after this win against um, Luongo, I, I'm pretty sure the Bruins have his number. Um, I think Luongo I think the stuff. Bruins
0: killed Florida's playoff aspirations yep. with that win. Like that was a game Florida had to win, yep. and it just less than a minute left in regulation, it all fell apart.
1: Um, but yeah, no, it was, but it was a nice win to have. I was getting prepared just to like. I thought we were going to lose the game, and then all of a sudden, Mac like, scores. And that was his second of the year, which is amazing. Um, and then, you know, um, and then we score again, and we didn't even give the Panthers a point in that game. Yeah. So that was amazing. That's what I mean. They got yeah. absolutely
0: nothing out of
1: that game. Uh, this game against Ottawa had a similar type feel to. I mean, not similar type feel, but it. And in the, about the same way um the Bruins uh started things off with a Brad Marchand power play goal um then John Gabriel Peugeot um scores to tie things up in the second period then in the third period uh Brady Kachuk um scores um to uh bring it to 2-1. I remember at this point I was just like of course like the Senators of, of all teams the Senators are the team that's going to uh, break this point streak, um, I was just like, I, I, did, I was floored, no offense Steve, but I was like floored. I, I know I know, you probably don't take offense either because you, you were thinking the same thing, but I was just like, oh come on, we can't, like, it's fine if we break this streak, but we can't lose to the Senators um, to give us our first regulation loss since like whenever it was. But
0: I don't even react to a game the Senators yeah. are winning until oh, it's a final.
1: Yeah. Um, Chris Wagner again scores um, to tie things up Um, and this was one of those ones where again I was just preparing for overtime and then in the last minute or so David Krejci scores uh, from uh, Danden Heinen and Matt Grizzlik so but like there was about uh, 45 seconds left in the game Uh, so not as intense of course, this is the Senators, but um, it wasn't as but it, it wasn't as exciting. But it was still like a, like come from behind win in that sense because we could have lost. Um, I was impressed by Brady Brady Kachuk. Um, I don't know if you have any more notes. I'll get to the uh, off the ice news um, in a minute. But you, since since you also watched this game, do you have any notes on that? Game?
0: Um. I've also uh, noticed that um, uh, Danton Heinen has also stepped up his yep. game. We talked yes, about uh, Brusk stepping it up. Uh, I believe Heinen has 10 points in his past 13 games. Yeah. Uh, Tory Krug, same amount of points and same amount of games. Chris Wagner, of course, five goals in his last 13 games. The goaltending's been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Crunchy had a big week, got some big goals. He has 16 points in his last 13. Uh, Mershon leading the charge offensively. A lot of people are picking up the pace for Boston, uh, like they have in previous years. And and that's why this team has been so good. Uh, The coaching staff has been able to get as much as they can out of this team when it really matters.
1: Um, Uh, It hasn't
0: really really shown in the playoffs, but in the regular season it certainly has.
1: I was particularly talking about the uh, Ottawa-Boston game, but uh, those nice words, nonetheless. Well,
0: Well, Just in general, I mean... Yeah, the, Bo- the Boston Bruins have that kind of a feel going like they're on a 19 game point streak. All the bounces are going their way. You yeah. don't like even if you're down a goal in the third period, you just have that confidence of it's OK, we're going to win this game. And time and time again, the Bruins find a way. And, yeah. it w- and they're and in And the game against Ottawa is more the same. And for the sense, it's the exact opposite where Ottawa puts forth a decent effort, hangs around a game, but gets nothing out of it.
1: Yep. Uh, Johansson is injured. Uh, this happened in the Carolina game. Mike, Michael Furland uh, checks him to the boards. Um, it looked pretty brutal. I think Johansson's probably out a couple more weeks, um, but that's unfortunate. It's kind of like a uh, similar to Zugarello. It's like, we just got him, and now he's injured. Um, I mentioned De- Debrusque. Uh and then we have two other stories here. So um, because of uh, what happened was uh, Furland uh, checks Michael uh, uh, Johansson, um, and Johansson gets injured, and then uh, apparently enforcer David Backus is a thing, um, and he starts fighting Michael Furland. Uh, Furland gets injured too. Um, and Bacchus gets like an insurgating penalty as well. But, um, but apparently it came to, the, the story happened the next day that uh, Bacchus and Cassidy talked um, off the ice and they mentioned that David Bacchus is going to be, uh, he wants to be, or he's going to be more of the enforcer type um, and let the young uh, players go I remember this story a couple of weeks ago, like Cassidy had a talk with David Backus where he had two options, where Backus had to play better or otherwise he'd have no choice but to bring in all these young players in. Or, um, you know, you just find your way to have a role in your lineup. Um, The thing with David Backus and being an enforcer, which has already been said, is that like, well, first off, he's not that great of a fighter. Um, he lost to Michael Ferlin in that fight, even though Furland, you know a Ferlin and Backus trade is um, pretty bad. But Backus also has a history of concussions, so it yep. doesn't make sense in that sense. Um, in that sense, because you know, like you're basically mortgaging your future just because you want to play hockey. On the other hand, I kind of respect this move because you know you're. Like, sure, enforcers aren't as vital as they used to be, but at the same time, you're like, you know, you're kind of admitting that you're not as good as you used to be and you want to find a way to fit your role onto the team and make a positive attitude on your team. So if that means that you're going to be fighting your, uh, fighting every now and then, um, then that's your role in that, and he's going to do that. So um, I kind of respect that. Um, in that in that regard um also it's like I also kind of respect the fact that he's being paid a lot of money um yeah to be playing here so that's already taken as a loss but like at least it's like it's not like he's deciding to like hang him up because he he can't play anymore um he's he's deciding to like find a way to be useful and that just happens to be an enforcer i hope it, like, he just doesn't get a serious concussion. Um, but, like, again, he knows the risks that are involved. Um, and, uh, it's kind of admirable just to be, like, just willing to, um, to take your, like, abuse your body like that, um, knowingly, even though you could just, like, just be on LTR, IR. They could fake an injury for him and all that stuff. But, um, No, instead, he's just uh, he's trying to make himself useful, um, even if that means that he's going to have less ice time. And so I I respect that move, um, at least from that regard
0: yeah and, and he clarified also that he's not embracing the role of an enforcer like he's not going to try and win like yeah. heavy weight belts or anything like that it's just when one of the young guys gets run over or whatever one of his teammates gets run over he's there to step yeah. in send him a message: hey you can't do that without paying the price and if needed be then he drops the gloves and and Nil still plays yeah. uh, that bit of a physical role. And the thing and is is like that physical role has already taken a, a toll on him offensively too. Right.
1: So, and the um, thing is is like that like Sean Thornton played that role too. Um, he's already started to do that with how he uh, handled Michael Furland with um, you know when Furland injured Johansson. So um yeah, no, I, I kind of I mean, I know like a lot of it felt like a lot of Bruins fans when I was looking on Twitter or just Bruin beats guys weren't sure why Backus is going to be an enforcer and it just doesn't make sense from, from that regard but at the same time if it like I feel like he wants to be making money he um, and he wants to find a role to continue to play hockey and if that means that he's going to be an enforcer um, then that means he's going to be an enforcer um, and he's kind of like you know, so I, I, I can, I can totally, I'm, I'm on board with it. Um, I just, I, I assume, I'm in the opinion that if these players know the risk involved in playing hockey um, with concussion stuff, then they're fine to play um, and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll see um, from that regard. Um, also, uh, Brad Marchand. Uh, well, there was like a NHLPA tweet, I guess, or a public relations tweet that uh, talked about how that was speculating on how much money Marner was going to make. Um, no, no, it, it mentioned um,
0: an interesting stat about Marner and
1: his uh, uh, okay. recently And believe. then, and then, I, Brett, I can't remember
0: the exact one. I think it was related I can, I can to, to, to his 80th point of the season.
1: Got it. Um, I'll try to look this up, but. I'll par- paraphrase for now um, just to save time. It what he uh, mentioned it was something referring to Marner uh, being having a very good season. Um, and then he uh, he said that uh, actually let's see here uh, give me a second. I can't wait to see this kid's new deal. 12 million AAV, it better be hashtag MarnerWatch. Um so it was um, it was a like, it was a funny troll. Um, this also kind of like it's I saw I think Greg Wyshinski was saying that this is brilliant in like three ways. One it uh, it shows Brad Marchand's support of the NHLPA. Two it's like a. It just shows how hilarious he can be on the ice. It's just a good chirp. And three, this actually just like screws up the lease if they actually do sign. If they actually do take Brad Marchand's twelve million annual average value uh, estimations. Um, apparently, Kyle Dubis was also like. Uh, he was asked about it, and he just said like he gave a bunch of stats. Which was very on brand for Kyle Dubas as well, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But um, it's same for Brad Marchand. He's uh, he's kind of becoming like the Roberto Luongo, where just social media and Twitter especially has been helping him like get like uh, change the public perception of him. I feel like there's a couple of people who still hate him, obviously, um, and you know, I guess you have every right to be. But um, at the same time, if he's like if he's making cracking all these jokes. Um, on Twitter, and he has an Instagram page now. He's uh, he's messing around with uh, Tory Krug. They make short jokes a lot. Um, so those those are um, so it seems like Brad Marchand's one of the more funny people um, on the social media platform. And I don't know. We kind of need more of those personalities in the hockey world. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: Yeah. Um, And then I think that's about it in terms of off-the-ice news for the Bruins. Um, They play the Penguins right now. It's 2-1 Pittsburgh um, at the moment. Um, Columbus, I'll give you the recap on uh, next week. Uh, Columbus uh, and Winnipeg uh, this week as well, and then Columbus um, on Saturday. The first Columbus game so an away game, and the uh, the Winnipeg game is an away game, but the second uh, Columbus game is a, gonna be a home game on Saturday. Um, so yeah, so a couple of pretty good teams, um, and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully the streak continues, we'll see, but it's at 19 right now, so um, yeah, something, uh, something to watch out for. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to you with your Senators
0: they took on the New York Islanders in a home-and-home home set. And on Tuesday, Ottawa outshoots the Islanders 10-6 to 6 in period one. So it's only fitting they get blasted 26-8 to 8 in the second period. Uh, somehow they take this one to a shootout. Uh, they eventually lose that. Uh, full props to Thomas Shabbat, though. He pulled off a sweet shootout move that he uh, used on Braden Holpe at uh, the All-Star Skills competition. It worked on Holpe fairly didn't work on Gricey. he almost got it but uh, Grice got a piece of it and it was enough to stop the puck dead in its track so it did not cross the goal line it didn't even come close to crossing the goal line so um, a valiant effort by the Sens but um, they only got a point out of that they gave up a combined 12 shots in the first third and overtime frames combined so they, the game overall wasn't bad but just a really just a really bad second period as far as defensive lapses. uh, The Islanders had their way with Ottawa. They were able to survive that, so I guess you can give some credit to the Sens there, but um, they keep having bad periods like that. Uh, They're not going to win too many hockey games. They need a complete 60-minute effort. They haven't really gotten that this year and even last year, and I think that's partially uh, got something to do with um, how Ottawa got up got to last in the NHL in the first place and how they've fallen so quickly. Um, I did like uh, Kachuk's play, but uh, we'll get uh, back to that uh, towards the end of the segment. Uh, In the second half of the home-and-home, there was some chippiness from both sides. Much like the first game, it was a bit chippy there, too. Uh, Ottawa was able to keep the score tight in the third period once again, but the Isles get some timely breaks. They win the game 4-2. to And we had more of the same in Boston on Saturday like i said the Sens doing whatever they can with whatever resources they have on deck they play a respectable game didn't have enough to get that extra point or in the case of the islanders second game and in the case of the bruins game on saturday they didn't get a single point so um ottawa loses another close game there three to two uh, getting back to Brady Kachuk, I did like his play this week, considering that yep. he doesn't have Mark Stone on his line on his team. He was driving to the net, scored a few goals, mixed it up with the other team. And if you're the Ottawa Senators and you're banking on your young talent, that's a very, very, very good sign. Uh, off the ice, the option for an arena at LeBreton Flats isn't slam shut completely. I just one thing to about team. Brady
1: Kachuk. I just wanted to. I ditto your comments. I, I like what I'm seeing of Brady Kachuk on that one yeah. game. I saw him in <laughs> this week.
0: Yeah. Even in the Islander games, he was pretty yeah. good. He was, he was active. He was getting in uh, the face of, uh, yeah, the Islanders. I thought it was uh, going to
1: take him a while. On, oh, sorry.
0: Especially on Thursday because, um, he was, as I mentioned, Brady Kachuk ran into Robin Leonard. Right. So of course the Islanders are probably going to take exception to that. And, right. uh, he, he, he was able to he was able to own up to it uh, he he did his thing without fear he just played his game and whenever he had to answer to something he answered to it and uh even acted as the what i didn't do anything kind of guy right um, after uh, during one skirmish he just held his hands up in the air and just like i'm not touching anybody yeah
1: i thought so i thought he, it was he, he, he's
0: basically our brendan gallagher that's what he is
1: yeah that's a good a comparison I, I thought it was going to take him a while to get you accustomed to the NHL, Same. but it seems yeah. like, um, he's, he's been kind of like, I mean, obviously he doesn't have Mark Stone or Duchesne anymore, but, um, it seems like he's been, um, a pretty good player, um, independent of that. So, um, yeah, I got, to, I'm interested to see how his development comes, um, in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. i just worry that the Sens are going to lean, solely on their young guys to do so much yeah. that they kind of break them uh kind of like what the oilers did uh in the early years where they uh picked a lot of people first overall and were relying right. on their first round picks to do everything and they were still not going anywhere really yeah so that that's that's why i'm a bit that's concerned fair. with relying on the young guys too soon but the sense we're in this position where they have no choice so we'll see what happens uh like i said off the ice they did add some uh, news worth reporting uh like i said the option for an arena le breton flats um the deal with rendezvous le breton was slammed shut the option for a downtown arena still on the table uh the ncc hasn't ruled that out but whether or not the Sens are going to be a part of that project is still up for debate on top of that commissioner gary bettman was asked about the Sens' future whether or not the team could be moving anytime soon and he says the team's not going anywhere at the same time though he maintains faith that eugene melnick will get everything sorted out which i'm not so optimistic uh so maintaining uh the fingers crossed pose uh until i hear some good news uh outside the Sense organization two news stories worth reporting i don't know if i mentioned it last week but uh the west Carlton warriors won the chevrolet good deeds cup which basically is awarded to um a minor hockey team uh the Wee level i believe uh that does the most amount of good for their community uh as voted on uh, by the general public and uh uh, we had a uh, i'm pretty sure i mentioned this last week but it's, it's worth mentioning again i guess um because it's just so good um back in september uh ottawa and the valley had to deal with uh some tornado touchdowns and one of them hit the community of dunrobin very very hard uh, destroyed a lot of homes and businesses and uh a lot of families were put in a very bad spot as a result of that and uh the west Carlton warriors vowed to donate their winnings to all the families affected in dunrobin and uh they've won the challenge and they are gonna fulfill uh, their promise that they made earlier in the year so a uh, great story for them i'm pretty sure i mentioned that last week i will mention again because they deserve a second shout out congrats to them and also uh we all remember the humble broncos and uh the tragic bus crash that happened almost a year ago actually um they made the playoffs with a 35 win season and uh wishing all the best to them and hopefully they go far this year um tough times for the community and at the same time it's probably going to be a tough time um, for the families involved still to hear that the Broncos are back in the playoffs because of how the last playoff run ended for them and the community.
1: They so even uh, hopefully, made,
0: hopefully, they get a better outcome this time.
1: They even made the uh, the Sports Illustrated um, this week. They were the cover. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that's... To
0: go to go from a tragic ending like that to a thirty-five win season yeah. with a roster that. Except one or two maybe three players is a whole it like wasn't even on the team last year um that that kind of shows you a bit of the heart and soul and character that every single person that organization put into making that team i think the current roster of players also is is responsible for that because um it's it's one thing to coach a team but to have the players Uh, really feed off a message um, to to really feed off of something, the support from the community. Um, I I think the players on that team are playing for a little bit more than just a playoff berth, uh, for more than just a playoff run. They're playing for a community that probably still hasn't gotten over what happened in April of last year. So uh, we wish them the best.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great story. Um, Yeah, no, I was just mentioning that there they're on a cover of Sports Illustrated, which is uh, kind of impressive considering everything else that's happening around in the sports world. But yeah. to be a cover story for Sports Illustrated, um, it's quite a big feat. Um, but you know, it's a big story, and um, and um, all the best of luck to the Humboldt when they make the play- when they in the playoffs um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so our it's a little bit shorter than last week or the weeks prior. Um, But not by much. Uh, Hopefully you still stuck with us. Um, We're actually back on. We're on, uh, not back on. We're officially on Spotify. um, So that's exciting. Um, So uh, follow us there. We're also on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, uh, You can check us out on Twitter at LaceUpPodcast. Our Facebook is Up. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 163 of the Lace em Up podcast.